biggest flaw is you just not building something people want, right? You know, I've had a lot of interesting experiences along the way where I've seen companies just completely implode because they're unwilling to adapt to what the user wants, what the customer wants, and you know, the market fits, you know, so you're an entrepreneur, you had this great idea and you're very passionate about the idea, which is what's going to take, bring everyone into the journey, maybe needs to just be tweaked a little bit. Yo, Ryan Hartley here, host of the Always Better Than Yesterday podcast. Welcome back to the interview sessions where I put my curious questions to inspiring people. I have one goal in mind for our time together, that hopefully you leave a little bit better than you were when you push play in your heart and in your mind in some way. Today is episode 141. These interviews are brought to you by our great friends at Web Creation. You can head to webcreationgroup.com for stunning websites at sensible prices. Today on episode 141, I am joined by Danielle Gillespie, founder of Ideas Last. Danielle at her heart, she's a tech geek who thrives on building rock solid products that people love. Danielle has over 25 years of experience in developing products and now serves startups at various stages, various sizes in her uh, capacity as a consultant through her company ideas last we have a great conversation for what is a very counterintuitive idea there is so much um, placed upon the leader the stereotypical leader to have the vision know the way go the way show the way Um, and I think what you're going to hear in the next half an hour is how how sometimes that can go a little wrong how sometimes too much focus on the leader's vision and idea can actually hold organizations back Uh, and how sometimes we've just got to get out there, um, get something in place and continue to evolve and develop and be better than yesterday. But that's enough from me. I won't say too much. I want you to hear this novel idea from from Danielle herself. If you'd like to join uh, over 700 like-hearted human beings who have a desire to grow every single day, to help others grow every single day, then come and join us and we are always better than yesterday our facebook community we simply ask that you come as you are and hopefully leave a little bit better also just to let you know that we have a new website domain you can check out alwaysbetterthanyesterday.com and abty.co.uk you put any of those two in your search engines you will come to our website it's still in need of uh, a little bit of an uplift to really represent our heart and mind and on our current ideas and how we can serve people but i just wanted to let you know that they are our new um, domain names where you can access us they'll all be in the show notes along with danielle's contact details um, and i hope you enjoy this conversation always love my friends Danielle, welcome to the Always Better Than Yesterday podcast. How are you? I'm great. How are you? Very Thanks good. for having me. Yeah, good. We, we were just talking off air that we're connected by a, a fellow friend, Michael Shine, who was um, on the podcast some months ago. 
uh, and he highly recommended that you and I speak. So here we are. Yeah, that's great. I'm excited. It's good. He, I've done my research I'm, I, and I know that the big thing that you talk about is, is ideas last, but I'm going to save that. I'm going to leave that because I want to know more about you. Tell us a bit about you. Tell us a bit about your journey. So um, I was, I went to school for engineering in college years and years ago. Um, and from, and, and I would say that was sort of uh, happenstance. It was, you know, you're kind of in high school, you're like, well, I should go to college. What should I do? It's like, well, I'm good at math and science. So I should go to engineering school yep. um, and kind of got my first job, same kind of way, just oh, here's a job. This, you know, you got to get a job. You went to college, better get a job now. Um, but, uh, so I, I feel like I sort of accidentally fell into software development. Um, and after those first couple of years of bumbling through my career, I started realizing I really like this. I, I love, um, taking technology and putting it together uh, in ways that satisfy problems, that solve mm. problems for people. So um, I really kind of dug into that path and just, you know, I, I started doing more and more sophisticated things and then, um, you know, then started floating up from builder to architect level to, you know, okay, now I can actually look at a problem and, and put a whole solution together. So that's kind of how I got to where I am with the tech, working with the tech, um, development software development platforms that kind of thing i love that because um i think there's a fine balance between being really techy and being really good with the tech versus being able to see the bigger problem that you're part of solving and i think that is what kind of then bridges the human gap within tech which is the ability to communicate is that something that you found yeah yeah and what i discovered you know i could at the very lowest level create these little bits of hardware that or software that made the hardware work. But what it was, what I really loved was watching people use what I made and realizing, oh, this could be way better. You know, like people are struggling with this. They don't get it right away. They don't understand how to use something, but also um, just by observing, stepping back and observing what people are doing, you realize that the thing you built might have a better purpose some other, you know, for some other problem. Mm. So, and, and all of that kind of, you know, puzzle solving and jiggering, that was the part that really excited me about tech. Mm. And as I understand it now, you're out, but you consult and you support and you, you support startups, I understand. What is it that you help them with? So um, my, probably my, the best value that I bring to a startup company is against this, this sort of um, high level vision of, you know, someone has an idea mm. and they may have it on their paper napkin, or they may have even <laughs> built a beta test, right? But they don't know how to take that from the idea to commercial production. And there's, you know, it's not just a matter of hiring, you know, a, a million dollars worth of software engineers to get the job done. It's about taking the tools that you have and the resources at every step, and then being able to, um, you know, merge them together in a way that that solves a problem that's um, addressing business case, your mm -hmm. budget, and you know, some sort of 
a market fit. So it's, mm. and it's a constant evolution. It's tiny steps. It's little jiggers here and there that, that sort of get you to a, a good place, but it's, if you don't understand how to do it, it's, it's a tough slog. And I see a lot of entrepreneurs with great ideas that are sort of just being fleeced by, mm. you know, people that are like, Oh, I, you know, I can solve that problem. And you spend millions of dollars, you know, just trying to build something and that something doesn't actually work for, pro, you know, for customers or, or clients or no marketplace fit, that kind of thing. Mm. I, uh, I've recently read a book by Adam Grant and he talks about one of the greatest leadership traits we should look to develop is the ability to think again. And I, and I was reading one of your, um, your medium posts and you talked about this idea mindset and some of the flaw, what are some of the flaws in having a fixation on ideas? Um, <clears throat> I think that, I mean, the biggest flaw is you just not building something people want, right? <laughs> I've, I've had so many, you know, I've had a lot of interesting experiences along the way mm -hmm. where I've seen companies just completely implode because they're unwilling to adapt to mm. what the user wants, what the customer wants and, you know, the market fit. So it's, it's hard um, you know, so you're an entrepreneur, you had this great idea and you're very passionate about the idea, which is what's going to take, bring everyone into the journey, but it maybe needs to just be tweaked a little bit here and there to really provide the kind of, um, uh, you know, uh, outcome that the, that's going to create a good business for you. Um, so I had uh, two... <laughs> I had one early, early on, I was doing some work for freelance development work for uh, equity in a company. And the guy had a great idea and we had built this elegant solution with, you know, really cost effective. And he was so fixated on his idea that he refused to see how much value we could have brought to first responders and he, he couldn't take it. I mean, he ended up, I've, I've never seen a group of mature people behave so badly in my life. It, it just, the board just like kaboom, the guy went into hiding. He wow. like, but he buried himself in his basement and he, and he had all the IP tied up. So like, we like, we just spent all this time creating this beautiful product and it will just, it's just going to get deleted. It, it's, yeah. it's just like, wow. So, you know, that's a, that's a case where somebody, they wouldn't adapt. And, you know, I've seen other cases of the same thing. There was another company in um, New York that we were thinking about acquiring, um, had this just my, this mindset of being unwilling to change their product. And the woman, they, they had a great product, but, and she had maybe some sort of social clout because she had brought her dream to life, but her dream wasn't making money. Mm. And they had, you know, $4 million in investment plowed into this. And in the end, they just shut it down because, wow. and, and it was a great solution. And there were so many ways that the product could have gone and mm. they were just unwilling to, to listen and, and make the change. I remember when I first read Michael's 
the hype handbook and one of the first principles in it was um it was make war not love and obviously you can see on my logo i was like i am that is, i was like this guy i was like this guy's triggering me and the, sa- and the same happened and obviously i spoke to him and the the heart of his message came through as i spoke to him but the same happened to me when i saw your concept because so often we're taught that you know that a great leader leads with a vision leads with an idea and that here you are saying that there are some pitfalls and some flaws around leading with an idea. So what is what is at the heart of your framework? What is at the heart of your solution? So, I mean, it's, it's a combination of, um, you know, examining the idea, examining the market, and then, you know, putting something into production doesn't have to be beautiful. Mm. And then really listening to and observing your customers and your key customers and, you know, going after um, those first, get five people who love you and watch what they do with your product and see if they get it, if they understand how to use it and they're using it the way it's intended. Mm -hmm. And then just keep making this sort of iterative loop of, okay, well, you know, that this part worked, but having the humility or the coachability to understand this, you know, part of this doesn't work and we either need Mm -hmm. to dump it or we need to tweak it and it's okay to dump it. It's, it's totally fine. You know, a really great team is going to have success and maybe it's, you know, you, you have success with a a product that you never even started out to build, but it's still successful. So I, I think, you know, it's, it's, it's hard to like, you know, I, I can't give you a formula of what it is, but it's a lot of observation, research and observation and putting it into practice and then trying again mm. and not trying to do too much at the same time, because, yeah. you know, like you probably talked to plenty of entrepreneurs, they have all these great ideas and there's like a list a mile long of they're going to, we're going to do this and we're going to tackle this and this and this and this yeah. and this. It's like, whoa, let's, let's just, let's pick one primary thing and see yeah. how that goes. And then you know, we'll use some of your other ideas if, if uh, things look promising. I think the reason it's powerful from my perspective is that it really acknowledges that, um, you know, the purpose of business is not to make profit. That's part of the fuel, but the purpose of business is to solve problems, you know? And, and, I, and I think when we remember that, you know, people have problems and therefore business is about people, you know, it's run by people, for people, with people, I, I guess taking the focus off the idea takes it off a person and, and, and back onto people because an idea is, is unique to a person, I guess. That's absolutely right. And that's, that's a really great way to look at it. It's you're, you're not, you know, once I've had that idea, I should take a back seat. I don't, you know, I don't need to have my ego stroked every day. What I want is to see a million, you know, like even 10 people who love what I'm doing mm-hmm. or, you know, then a hundred and then a thousand but I don't, I, you know, I have, it's no pride of ownership. Like you, you just like, okay, this, this would be a great idea. Let's see if it works. And then, okay, well, the baby was ugly. Let's get rid of it. And, you know, let's go in a different direction. And you know, suddenly you've got yeah. people, lots of happy people. And you talked about ego as well, because sometimes the the ego of a leader is is they got to be the one to do and implement. And, and we know from so many psychometric profiles, like the work of Carl Jung is that, the personality type that are a lot more likely to have the ideas 
are least likely to also have the personality type of being able to <laughs> implement, to strategize, to work out the best way of, of doing it. How do you, how do you work with uh, a, a group of individuals then to help them collaborate um, around this idea? Well, um, I would say, you know, there's, there's a reason I was, I was just sort of thinking about this in the last week or so there's, there's a reason that um, investors or incubators ask who who's on your team and what do they do? Hmm. Because hmm. it really makes, um, you know, I was talking to this young team the other day and they, everyone thought they were the visionary and, and it's like, well, you can't all be the visionary. Someone has to, you know, like tell me in your own words, what you do and what you like to do. And, you know, me looking at the team members and observing them when they're talking, you can tell when they're talking about the thing they really like to do. And then you can sort of say, okay, you know, you're the builder, you're the architect, you're the visionary, you're the people person. Mm -hmm. So let's, let's see if we can, you know, like work with, with those classifications and see if, you know, are, are we happy in these roles? And then from there, we're, you, you're able to take the team and, and to divide up the work so that they're each doing something that adds significant value, but they're good at what they're doing. They're not trying to be something that they want to be based on a title. They're, they're doing something that, that makes sense for, um, for them. Yeah. And, and I think, you know, the great bond between a team will be trust, but nothing's going to destroy that trust quicker than blame and i know that's something you talk quite a bit about what are your experiences and observations around blame in the ballroom <laughs> well as long as you're not in the crossfire it could be rather amusing but not in a kind of a dark way amusing but um I, no i mean i i honestly think that boards don't just implode on, in a moment, right? These things come. I, I think you can tell if you're, you're with your co-founders or your founding team or, or a team. I, I think that's, I think that it's, you can be aware of sort of the bad apple um, and, and, and sort of negative thinking. And um, I, I think that there are you know, I've also observed a lot of really amazing teams and those amazing teams spend time working on being an amazing team. Mm. They, they set up systems to support each other and they believe that they are better as a group than they are as individuals. And it's a, a circle of respect and trust. And if you have one person that doesn't have that sort of um, built-in respect of others, that's the person that's going to cause the problems. Um, so, you know, really, I think you just, you know, my approach has always been, if someone gives me a bad feeling, we'll just shake hands and not work together. As people on my team and people that have been my mentors and, and people that have helped me, I've always looked for people that are supportive of me and to respect me and talk to me, you know, as a peer, and you can you can sort of tell the people who aren't going to behave that way. I think it's tough for less experienced and, and young teams to really understand that you maybe have someone on the on that in that group who's who's not of that same mindset. 
And also younger people are a little more, you know, a little less foam rubber, maybe a little more spirited. So you have to give some, got to give a little leeway for that. But I, I feel that, you know, there's, there's no place for blame. Everyone, you, you get there together and either win or succeed to, you know, you succeed or fail together. And yeah. it's, it's about respect and, and support for one another. Yeah. No one sets out to do something stupid. <laughs> uh, yeah, absolutely. And I think what you're saying is that the ultimate long-term success is not about the quality of the idea. It's about, it's about the quality of the, the leadership of the, uh, of the group and the way that they work together to take the idea into something that really adds value into the world. Right. Yeah. Yeah. And the, and the best teams are coachable, you know, they, mm. they're like, you know, we, we want some input on what we're doing and we want to understand how to build good products. And we, you know, we, we want to respect each other. We want to spend a little time on, you know, personal professional coaching. It's, mm. I think there's a huge value for that. And I, I've seen only success with, with teams that use coaches and um, for themselves or for their team. Yeah, that's powerful. I I really believe in a sense of fun and enjoyment in your work. That's not to belittle any challenges and problems that there might be, but I think it's I think it's always approached better with a lighthearted spirit and an enjoyment for what you do. And and you talk about finding the intersection between the idea and the playground. And I like this idea of the playground. Like bring that to life for us. What does it mean to find the intersection of the idea and the playground? So yeah, I mean the the playground is I is another word for the market. It's just, mm. um, it's just a, a, a better metaphor in my mind, because it leaves, a, it leaves more open to your imagination. Mm-hmm. You know, when sometimes when you think about, I'm, I'm taking a product to a market, you're thinking of a specific industry and you're thinking of a way to, to make this idea solve a problem in this space. But in reality, your idea, your, your, industry or your market doesn't have to be a finite thing. It can be, a, you know, it's, you just have to think about it as, as a, you know, space, it go, you know, on and on in either direction. And you can, you can, you can take, you know, you can move your idea to a different industry or a different market based on what you're seeing. You can build great tech, you mm-hmm. can have great building blocks. And if, if you've done that, and you're open-minded, you could plunk this into different spots without a lot of change. You know, it's just, it's about finding the best place for what you've built for it to, for your product to thrive and become a real business. Um, Mm -hmm. It doesn't, you know, I I think there's plenty of great success stories where they're um, you know, they've, they found a niche for the product, but doesn't mean that that's where that idea is going to land forever and ever it's just a great starting place i love that just symbolizes a fun place to go connect with people and and how can you serve someone's needs and problems if you don't connect and understand those people right exactly yep yeah what does the phrase always better than yesterday mean to you um so you know i i really fortunately i read the uh notes that you sent (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> and the invite. Um, so I was well giving done. it, a, I, I gave it a lot of thought and I, I think it's really cool idea, but I, I think of it as, and I'm, I'm sure after 140 episodes, you, you <laughs> probably, there's not a lot of novel uh, answers to that question anymore, but I think of it two ways. Like I think of it as um, at the macro level, right? The high level, the, 
the uh, big picture and then then at the, the micro level. So at the mm -hmm. macro level, I think about um, every time I go to make a decision, what am I, you know, I need to evaluate options. Sorry, cut out there for a second. I cut out. You, yeah. I'm sure you're doing a great job of answering that question. My internet failed. Okay. Shall we try that one? <laughs> Shall yeah, let's that do that again? one. Sorry, I was like, I don't, I don't, we didn't have a, a system set up for me to stop and. No, good. It, at the macro okay. level, I heard, and then you were just about to say something awesome. Okay. So, right. So I, I think about, I think about it in two ways. One is the macro level of the big picture and one's the micro level. So at the macro level, I think about um, every time I reach a, a decision of, of something, you know, I could do one of two things. I have two choices. What choice is going to provide me with the most options in the end? So mm -hmm. I, I just feel like, you know, my life has been a series of these deliberate choices. I mean, as I said early on, some of them were a little haphazard, but you know, after getting into my career, I started making choices that would leave me with the most options in the end. So mm. I feel like today, what I'm going to be able to do is based on all of my yesterdays, you know, for however many years, and I've left myself with options. Mm. So that is, that's kind of been my, my micro approach. And even when I'm counseling my kids on, you know, what colleges to go to, what careers to take, I, you know, I say, think about what's going to give you the most options in the end, not the easy way, possibly, mm -hmm. probably not the easy way. Mm -hmm. um, and then from a micro level, I think about um, put yesterday into perspective, right? Yesterday, one yesterday isn't going to make or break you. Mm -hmm. um, it's, it's like, you know, being on a diet, one day of bad food's not going to be terrible. 30 days is not so great, but, <laughs> um, you know, you can't, every day can't, every yesterday can't be the best day of your life mm -hmm. or the worst day of your life. And I, I just think like, okay, well, things might've gone great yesterday or things might've gone garbage yesterday, but today I, it's a new day and I, I just need to move on from there. Um, and, and, and it'll be okay. No matter what I do today, it'll be all right. Mm -hmm. So it's, it's funny because I, I feel like, I don't know if you golf or, you know, any golfers, but I've, I've just started golfing and mm -hmm. I, people who golf crack me up because they'll have like an amazing round and then they're on top of the world for that day. But then all the next 10 times they golf, they're ticked off because they didn't have this amazing experience. Mm. Or they'll have like a horrible day of golf and they'll be like, ah, oh, I'm done golfing. I'm a terrible golfer. This is never going to happen again. It's like, well, mm. that neither one of those is realistic. You, you, mm. you can't have your best day every day. And yeah. you also are not going to stop golfing because you had one bad day. And then thirdly, like, come on, you're golfing. Yeah. What's the big deal? Yeah. <laughs> I, I, do you know what? And I think sometimes, and sometimes this is about, we pay too much attention to the outcomes. Whereas I know what you talk a lot about is focusing on the inputs and actually being better than yesterday is sometimes just focusing on better inputs. 
Yes. Yeah, exactly. You just, you know, it's, it's a new day. Give it a, give it a new go. Fresh, mm. fresh, fresh perspective. <laughs> let go of the results, let go of the outcome and, and, and be better on the inputs. Thank you. Yeah. Uh, I really like the way you separated that into micro macro. What, where can our, our audience connect with you? Where can they find out more about you? So I, um, I'm on LinkedIn um, and my website is just daniellegillespie.net. Um, and there I talk a little bit about the ideas first uh, framework and how I got there. And then there's some links to Medium articles that explain it. But I mean, that's really, if someone was interested in understanding more about what I do, or if they have you know, they're in a situation where they, they would like to help have someone kind of untangle mm -hmm. a million inputs and decide mm -hmm. what to do next. That's what I'm really good at. And, and that's how people could connect with me. Um, I'm also in the process of launching a podcast to talk to entrepreneurs who have done a good job of this ideas, uh, last kind of, uh, thought process and just, I, I think it's helpful just for uh, startup companies just to listen to other people's journeys and understand it takes a long time mm. and it's okay to make a mistake. hundred percent. hundred percent. Love that. I'll add all the links in the show notes. I would be honored if you leave us with a final thought from your good self. <laughs> oh, and what topic? Anything you like, anything that's on your heart and your mind right now. I um, just have fun. I mm. mean, don't, don't take life too seriously. I, I you know, I, I'm a pretty intense person, mm -hmm. but I really do try to um, laugh as often as I can and, and you know, do silly things and, and goof around. And, and honestly, I, I, I do try to make sure that I express a fair amount of gratitude every day because... Mm even, uh, even I'm, I'm wired a little bit dark and <laughs> I find that the gratitude does in fact make me feel better. So there's something to it. <laughs> You've worked in tech for far too long. Yeah. <laughs> all those dark rooms. Amazing. Danielle, thank you for yeah. coming and joining us and sharing your concept, your ideas, last concept, uh, and some of your experiences it's been really great to hear from you. Thank you, my friend. Yeah. Thank you so much. I, I really enjoyed it. go that is episode 141 with danielle gillespie how has that inspired your leadership i'd love to know thank you for making it to the end of the podcast screenshot this now tag me in at ryan b hartley do that share it to your social and i have something special for you for free come and claim it screenshot tag me in and i will let you know what you can claim for free so what really stood out for me is that no matter how much we can be involved in technology, it's always people at the center. The, the tech is a way of serving people. It is created through and with people. And we must always remember that. So no matter how much we might um, value technology or intellect, um, we must always realize that great things are made by great teams um, and that great teams need great leaders. Um, so yeah, that's what's really stood out for me and uh, just love to know what has resonated with you. Let me know, make sure this stays a two-way conversation and I look forward to uh, speaking with you again very soon. Always love my friends. Mm -hmm.